Is everyone ready this morning? Are you good? Have you got an expectation for a personal word this morning? Lord, let it be unto them. I know I always make that joke. It's not a joke anymore. Fantastic. Well, family, I'm excited to bring the word this morning. And uh, as Johannes mentioned, you know, last week we started with our fast, our 21-day annual fast and pray. And as Johannes mentioned, the reason why we do this is because we really felt an impression on our hearts this year. We do it every year. But we felt a strong pull, definitely for this year again, that there's a real depth, there's a real significance to this time. And something that I can see in our conversations and in our conversations with our team and our leaders, I can sense a new hunger among us for the presence of the Lord. We can feel this new hunger, this hunger for more, this pressing into the Lord for the things we read in Scripture, to not just go through the motions of religion, I want to say. You know, things like coming to church, hearing a message, having a lack of coffee, you know, there's a lack of more licky, and then we go home and, you know, reading my Bible and ticking off a box. There is something deeper, amen, where the Lord is taking us. And I believe it is part of the, the season that we are in, this time that we're moving in, the end of times, the end of days, where there's going to come a greater depth in the church. And it will be a real discerner for people, you know, are our hearts fully in or are we halfway in? And the divide will become much, much bigger in the, in the church. And so I want to honor church. We love church. We never want to speak against any church serving Jesus Christ. But I want to tell you this. The presence of the Lord, the manifest presence of Jesus is not the same present in every church. And I believe the reason for that, and it's part of the pursuit that Johannes and I, that's the cry of our heart, Lord, can we be that church where you want to come and dwell? I'm talking about His omnipresence is here, we know that. We're talking about the kind of glory when you read through the Old Testament. You can tell I've been in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. I mean, Numbers right now. I'm moving, though, so in the Old Testament. Where the presence of the Lord was there night and day. And if God didn't move, they didn't move. There's an absolute dependence on the Lord. And I feel like for us in ministry, we're, we, the Lord is, is really shaking us up about this thing. Is this your plan or is this my plan? Is this your run sheet or is this my service this morning? And I don't like the unknown. Wies noch so? You love to know what's happening. You plan ahead, you structure, you organize. I don't like to be last minute. I don't like to be unverhoots uitgefangen. But there comes a place in the Lord, and I believe as we mature, all of us are going through those times. Maybe you're also in a place like that, where you realize, okay, just doing things my way is not going to cut it this year. If I want to see the glory of the Lord on my life, if I want to walk in the favor if I want to walk in the fullness of that, that he has for me. And so, you know, the fast, that's what we're trusting the Lord for. Yes, there's many practical things we're trusting the Lord for. And as soon as I pluck out my practical lazy, let's pray for this, Johannes goes, excuse me. Yes, that's fine, but we're first going to seek his kingdom. We're first going to seek him for who he is. 
The blessings will flow out of that. And so it's a total shift for us as believers. You know, am I making sense this morning? Okay, I don't know where we're going, but I do believe Jesus is here. And so anyway, so it's a posture of surrender, I guess is what I want to say. It's a posture of surrender. And I felt like throughout December and even this first week in January before the fast started, we already started to just get quiet. We started to, we just felt a weight on this year. We felt, you know, besides all the prophetic words that we got for this year of things moving faster than we think we can keep up with, we felt there is something so big about this year that we, we better get quiet. We better, you know, set ourselves apart and focus on the Lord so we don't miss where He's taking us. And, and in this time that I've just been reading and spending time in the Word, I feel like the Lord is calling me to this phrase all this time, first love, first love, first love. And last week, even when Johannes was bringing the word, he spoke about first love and he spoke about intimacy. And he spoke about allowing the Lord to really love us. And that's all I can remember from everything he said that really struck something again in my heart, allowing the Lord to love me. And it sounds so basic and it sounds so simple. But it's actually everything. That is the gospel. If we can allow the Lord to really love us, we can grow in this thing called intimacy with the Lord. We can, we can follow Him. We can go where He goes. If we understand how much we are loved, if we understand who Jesus is, then anything He asks will not seem like this massive sacrifice. It'll simply be a response to what we've already received. Amen? If I don't make sense, just shout, you're not making sense. I prayed, I said, Johannes, even this morning, I said to them, please pray for articulation. I can speak, but it's like I'm not quite sure how to word what he's stirring on my inside. But I know he wants to speak about first love. And that's what the Christian life is. It's a love relationship with Jesus. It's not a religion. It's not a tick box. It's not something I have to do. It's not something I have to. It's something I am invited into. It's a love relationship. Who remembers the first time you fell in love? Now, with alle getroudes, kijk na die oulangsjo, nee? Don't think about your first love 10 years ago or what ook al before you got married. This is not your first love sitting next to you. For all intents and purposes, I remember the day I fell in love with Johannes. He actually asked me over the weekend, when exactly did you fall in love with me? And I was like, I don't actually remember. I remember the time. I do remember the time frame. Okay, so Johannes pursued me. We were, I was in a, in a home cell. I was really focused on Jesus. Um, I tried dating one or two guys in church. Just because you're in church doesn't mean you love Jesus. I found that out. And uh, I was very serious about following the call of God in my life. And I, I had this picture of marrying a pastor. And uh, when I met him, he came straight from Greece where he served the Lord there. And he worked in the same office as my housemate, an Australian friend of mine. And uh, she came home and she said, I'm going to invite someone to home cell. And by the way, he's your husband. And I guess it was whatever. Also, Sindorvan. Boyer, um, also, I don't know what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say, we're going to go on. And so, 
So I was like, there is no way. Just because he's in church, just because he came from Greece, just because he even rescued women from human trafficking, that's great, but I'm not sure that that's my husband. All right, and so I met him, and he just started pursuing me, slowly but surely, very persistently. Um, even if I looked like I wasn't interested, um, you know, even if it was something like, I remember he invited me for dinner, and I thought to myself, no, I have to protect myself. I'm going to, rather than him picking me up, I'm a control freak. I don't want to be caught off guard. I'm going to tell him where we should meet and what time we will meet there. Just in case this doesn't work out, then I have my own car there, then I can go when I need to go. Thomas, have I got a witness? I don't want to be stuck there if I don't like him. I've got too much to do at church and stuff. I don't have time to waste. And so... I remember we had such a good night, actually, um, and he did tease me about coming in my own car, and just from that night, I thought, okay, he's someone I can talk to. That's good. That's good for a friendship, and then I remember one day we were at the waterfront, and I remember this conversation. He says he doesn't remember it, where I clearly said to him, I just want to let you know up front. I just want to be very, very clear. This is a friendship. I'm not interested right now in anything more. Uh, let's be friends, let's serve Jesus together, but this is all. And I remember him being so gentlemanly, friendly, smiling, and said, okay, that's cool. And I remember getting gifts and cards and coffee invites, and then he went overseas again, and then I got perfume, and that was a lack of time. And um, eventually, I don't know when it happened, I think one day he was also going on a trip for work, and one of my other friends, um, he was a big stirrer, he sent me a photo of the two of them at the airport. And I remember looking at that photo thinking, yes, yeah, I like eindelijk nog eens oulik. But now I've already known him for a couple of weeks or so. Anyway, I think it turned somewhere there. But the point is this. Who remembers that when you were pursued for the ladies? And for the men, who remembers that time when you fell in love with that special person? Like that feeling that you had. Doi butterflies, doi, you can't, you dream about them, you talk about them, you just want to do everything for them, you just want to show how much you feel about them through actions and different things, gifts and allerlei goeders. And this is the idea of that first love when you fall in love with someone. Your whole being is focused on that person. And I believe the Lord reminded me of this thing that even that we felt when we first met each other. I know that's how Johannes felt. I was smitten. Me, I have the microphone, so he's still smitten. And that's the same idea that the Lord feels about us. Obviously way deeper. There is a love that the Lord has for you. There is a pursuit from before you were born, the Lord has started to pursue you. He started to pursue me. And the thing is about the love of the Lord is that he will never stop pursuing you. No matter how we might have this conversation of, Leister, play it for my daughter. Lord, not today, next year. Lord, I'm not ready. This is what I used to tell the Lord. Lord, when I'm ready. You're never ready. You'll never be ready. That's the whole point. But there is a pursuit. There is a love of God for you. And you know what? I, I've, I'm thinking about this whole thing. I'm thinking of conversations that I've had with people that I can see they're, they're in this tug, war, relationship. Um, not relationship, but like 
tug of war with the Lord where he's pursuing and they are, you know, resisting. And you know what it is? It's just a love that wants to show you how much he loves you. That's it. That's actually the whole Christian life. That's, that's the whole gospel. This right here is a reminder of that love that he has for you, that he has for me, a love relationship. And that's why God created us. He created us to be in relationship. That's all that he desires. But sometimes I think, and it's, it's sometimes also our fault in the church. We want to tell everyone what they need to do. But the doing is only a response to the love that I have received. I cannot give what I haven't yet received, if that makes sense this morning. So I want to encourage us with this scripture this morning. 1 John, 1 John 4, you can go there, it's right towards the end of the New Testament, 1 John 4. And I want, to, I want to start off with this foundation that God is love. God is love. And he wants to be that love in our hearts forever, but he wants to be first. Okay, let me not run ahead of myself. 1 John 4, have a look at verse 7, and we're going to read there in the Amplified. So it says this, Beloved, let us unselfishly love and seek the best for one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves others is born of God and knows God through personal experience. In other words, he's talking about how the church should love our neighbors. But he's saying, first you've got to understand, you can't obey that commandment unless you obey the first one, which is really to love the Lord your God, as Johannes spoke last week, with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. And you can't do that unless you receive his love for you first. This is, this is what it comes down to, verse 8. And the one who does not love has not become acquainted with God, does not and never did know him, for God is love. If you are reading in the Amplified, you can underline this. He is the originator of love. And it is an enduring attribute of his nature. Verse 9, by this, the love of God was displayed in us, in that God he sent, has sent his one and only begotten son, the one who is truly unique, the only one of his kind into the world, so that we might live through him. Verse 10 is the important one. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Everyone say, he loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation, that is the atoning sacrifice, the satisfying offering for our sins. And then I want you to skip down to verse 19. Verse 19 it says this, we love him because he first loves us. We love him because he first loved us. And so many times when I talk to believers and they're struggling with this and they're struggling with that, the problem and the root is 
we need to go back to, have I ever received the love of Jesus for me? Because that's what we respond to. That's what we're invited to. It's a love relationship with the Father. And we know this. We know it here, but do we know it here? Because everything else will flow from that. If I'm here this morning and I'm, I'm not sure that I'm really that hungry for the Lord, I'm not sure that I'm really that thirsty for the Lord, we're going to talk about going back to a place, well, did I receive the love of Jesus? Because that's the starting place. He's never going to ask me to do anything he hasn't first given me. We can't give what we haven't received. Amen? I'm like, why ernstig? It's good news, but it is serious. All right, the second point I want to make, the first point was this, God is love. The second point is that God wants to be our first love. God wants to be our first love. It's not an option to be second for him. The Bible says, the Lord says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Alpha means the beginning. It also means it's the first letter of the Greek alphabet, first. He is the first and he is the last. He is the first and he desires the first place in everything in everything that we are, in everything that we get to have. And sometimes, you know, what happens in those relationships, if you have been married for a long time, if you've been in a relationship for a long time, it's normal, sometimes we just become familiar. That feeling of infatuation wears off. The things you did at first, maybe you don't do them anymore as often. Maybe other things have gotten in the way. Maybe there's children, maybe there's work, maybe there's stress, maybe there's other things. And we don't do the same things we did at first. So the relationship starts to cool off a little bit. And the danger of when that thing, that love starts to cool off is that we become distant. And that's a dangerous place in our natural relationships, but also in the spiritual. I've been reading a book called, um, who's ever read this book called God's Generals? There's a couple of them. If you desire to do great things for the Lord, I want to encourage you, go read that book. And I'm not done yet, but I read through all the people that I know and that I want to know about their lives. And I read that book over the holidays and most of it. And you know what is so fascinating to me is that, I mean, this is people that from their ministries and from their lives, millions and millions of people got saved, got healed, miracles, signs, wonders, churches planted all over the world, huge, huge impact, great things for the Lord, supernatural, great stuff. But not all of them, in fact, only half of them ended well. And of those that ended in a bad place, in other words, they just ended and their lives weren't as amazing for the Lord as it was before. They all had one thing in common. They lost their first love of Jesus. They lost the focus and they lost the point of all of it. And that's the dangerous place. And that's what I feel this morning on my heart, that the word of the Lord to us is to never lose our first love. And we're going to look at the church of Ephesians as an example. But let me, I feel like I am running ahead of myself. Never lose our first love. And so I want us to turn to the book of Revelation. Ja, ons gaan openbaring toe vir Okay, it's the last book of the Bible. 
And we're going to read from chapter 2, Revelation chapter 2. And I just want to give us a little bit of background before we go into it. So we know that the Apostle John wrote the book of Revelation. He also wrote the three gospel, oh, the gospel of John and then 1 John, 2 John, what? 1 John, 2 John, 3 John uh, that we just read from. So it's the same guy uh, that wrote these. And so John was exiled to the island of Patmos. And the Lord gave him a vision. He received this revelation vision. And revelation is a letter. It's actually a book of letters written to the seven churches. And so I don't have time to, that's a whole probably six months teaching that we can go through in depth, but I just want to focus on this second chapter, on this letter that the Lord gave John the revelation for, and he gave a message to the church in Ephesus. Now the church in Ephesus, if you go do some uh, history, it is the same book, or it's the same church that the book of Ephesians was written for, the same church in Ephesus. And in Acts, in Acts 19, you can go and read, but the Apostle Paul was actually the one that first came to Ephesus and started to make believers, started to uh, convert, you know, unbelievers into believers, and he planted the church, and then he left Priscilla and Aquila there, um, that other amazing couple uh, that served the Lord, he left them there, and then eventually Timothy, remember Timothy? Paul wrote the two letters to Timothy, one and two Timothy. It's the same Timothy that was also a pastor in Ephesus. And so the background of this is that this was an amazing church, and it had some pretty amazing leadership. From the planting of it to the establishment of it, years down the line, they had a great history. But the church of Ephesus was in an environment that was actually super ungodly, super occultist. Uh, the, the specific place, Ephesus, let me just get this correct. It was a rich seaport city. And so there was this huge temple of Diana, the goddess of fertility. So there was a lot of immoral sex and lots of different demonic activities. And basically all of the pilgrims from all around the Mediterranean would come there to participate in all of these cultish idolatry activities and all those kind of things. Now, the church was planted in the midst of this scene. Okay, so can you imagine this church? They had some, probably a lot of opposition because all of the teaching went straight against all of this cultural activity of the day that was going on. And so the church was planted, and scholars say about 10 years after the church was planted, Paul wrote the book of Ephesians, and he wrote to them. And if you go read it, I shared a scripture from Ephesians this morning to our team about God's love for us. Paul encouraged this church because they were so zealous and passionate and in love with the Lord, and he encouraged them. He commended them for their love for the Lord. He encouraged them in their faith. He encouraged them in their zeal. He prayed for their love to even increase it's a beautiful letter when you understand that context. And they were devout in faith. They were actually an amazing church. What a great model for us. They were passionate. They were zealous. They were going for it. They were converting everyone in that environment. They were organized. They were full of faith. They had great programs. They had great kids' church. They were doing all things right 10 years after they were planted. We are next Sunday, two weeks Four, three weeks, two weeks. 
We're only four. So by year 10, they were already going strong, still going strong. And then later, Paul wrote to Timothy, as we said earlier, and he read to them, and he wrote to them, and he said to Timothy, beware of a false teaching coming in 10 years down the line. And he said to them, make sure that your doctrine is sound. Make sure your doctrine is based on the truth of the gospel. Don't allow some of those philosophers and false teachers to come in and to take you away from the truth of the gospel. Make sure that your doctrine, what you teach on the platform, off the platform, is pure in doctrine. So he charged that to Timothy, and he said, make sure your doctrine is pure. And then some scholars say, I didn't attempt to do a whole date study because that would have taken me a few days. But most scholars say 40 to 50 years after that, John wrote Revelation. And John also, many historians say, doesn't say in Scripture, but many historians say John himself, in his last days, served and was involved in the church in Ephesus. So he knew them. And then he wrote Revelation. And in the first verse, you can read there, all of the letters are in red, which means it's Jesus speaking. And Jesus tells him this vision, and Jesus tells him, tell the church of Ephesians the following. And in verse 1, Jesus says how he loves all these things, but let's start, read in verse, yeah, let's start reading in verse 2. Revelation 2, verse 2. And this is Jesus speaking to this church, and he says to them, I know your works, your labor. That word labor in Greek actually means to work to the point of exhaustion. Ask any of our volunteers if they've been tired serving. Your labor, working to the point of exhaustion, your patience. Patience there refers to steadfast endurance. They've obviously had a lot of opposition, people coming against them, because what they were preaching was coming against the profit and things, uh, financial profit of all the people that were making these statues and these false gods and goddesses that people wanted to come from all over the Mediterranean to worship. So Jesus commends them and he says, I'm seeing your patience, your steadfast endurance. And I see that you cannot bear those who are evil. In other words, the, they were fighting for the purity of the gospel. They were fighting for the purity in the church. That's so commendable. That's amazing. And you have tested those who say they are apostles, but who are not, and have found them liars. They didn't just believe anyone that come in and say, I have a word from the Lord. They looked in, in the word and they realized, okay, cool, this is a false teacher. And they didn't allow them to teach. And verse 3, and you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. They did their outreach. They worked hard. They served they protected the integrity of the gospel. But, verse 4, Jesus drops a bomb and he says, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Verse 5, remember therefore. But then he comes and you'll see in all of the letters to the churches, he gives them commendations. In other words, what are you doing right? I'm seeing. I'm watching. Do you know that Jesus is here every Sunday and he's here and he's watching? He's looking at Johannes and I and at our leaders. Are our motives pure? Are we teaching you pure doctrine? We are held to a higher standard. Help us here. And he's here and he's watching. And he said, but I have this against you, 
You have left your first love. Nevertheless, I have this against you. Verse 5, remember therefore from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and you remove your lampstands from its place unless you repent. And I know that's going deep this morning. It's a sobering scripture. But what he's saying to the church is that there is still a door and opportunity of grace. I don't want you to leave me as your first love. No matter how amazing the things that you do for me are, this is what he had against them, that they left their first love. What does that mean? That they left the passion and the motivation of why they were serving him in the first place, of why they were zealous for him in the first place, of why they were doing what they were doing in the first place. So our achievements, church, doesn't mean necessarily this is just talking to the church. It's talking to all of us. It has a universal application as well. No matter how great our achievements are for the Lord, no matter how great the things on the outside may look, we do the outreach, we do the kids' church, we preach the word, we go and look after the orphans and the widows, we do all these beautiful things, but if we don't do it from a place of Jesus as our first love, our first motivation, our first connection point, then it means it's purely religion. Jesus wants our hearts, everything that we do, to be firstly allocated to Him. It means first being, being above everything else, first priority. Because then everything that we do for the Lord in obedience will not only carry His blessing, but it will carry His power. It will carry His anointing. It will carry His pleasure. And where the Lord's pleasure is, there His glory will be as well. And so I believe that's one of the reasons, because I said, Lord, why is it not like this in every church? Yes, your omnipresence is there, but why is your manifest presence not there everywhere? And I believe this is one of the reasons. Because sometimes we've left our first love. We've forgotten that first time when we got saved. Can you remember the first time, not the first time, the time you got saved? <laughs> you only get saved once. But do you remember, that's my question this morning to us. I thought about it all weekend. I thought about it this morning. I remember, I remember it so clearly. That first time I felt God's love tangibly for me, all over me, physically, but in my heart as well. You don't always need to feel something physically. But it's something that you can't explain it to someone else. That first time where you encountered the love where I remember I couldn't believe he loved me. Like, I, I did believe it, but I was so wowed by it. It was wow. It was the same, yeah, that feeling that I had when I met Johannes. Wow. Verstorn. <laughs> Jesus says to this church, go back to that time. What is he saying? He's saying, stop what you are doing. Remember that time. Remember how you felt about me, because I want you to stir up that love and that passion again. Something in their hearts was missing. Revelation 2 verse 4, just in the Amplified. It says this, that you have left your first love. You have lost the depth of love you first had for me. And in the Greek, that word first means protos. It means foremost, 
based, paramount, supreme, crowning number one. Jesus is talking about an exclusive love. That means he's asking us, are you loving me more than anything else in your life? Are you loving me more than your spouse? Are you loving me more than your children? Are you loving me more than the ministry that I've entrusted to you? I sat with that question over the holidays. Lord, do I love you more than this ministry? Do I love you more than the dream? Do I love you more than the promise? If this ministry never grows, if this dream never grows, if no prophetic word comes into fulfillment, will I still love Jesus more than ever? Just because he is Jesus. Lord, I want to. All right, well, go back and remember. Go back and remember the love that I had for you. In other words, what does that mean? Go back and feast again until that becomes revelation. What does that mean? Until it becomes rhema, alive in my heart, that I am fully loved. And when I feel that as I receive his love, I want to respond. That's where that willingness came from, even in the Old Testament. There was a love. There's a love of the Father that draws us in. And I want to remind you this morning, church, that the love of the Father is after you right now. Like you can't even imagine it. And as we go into this year, I really feel strongly as we're seeking intimacy. To me, the Lord is just speaking about that means seek my love for you. Seek a fresh revelation of my love for you. The love of the Father will heal every wound in our soul. The love of the Father will bring me direction. The love of the Father will catapult me into everything He has for me. It wouldn't be a sacrifice. It wouldn't be a, oh, moet nou hierdie ding doen. When I first met Jesus, I remember I was so hungry. I didn't even know how to word it. I, I can't even say to you, I don't even know how to word it. I just wanted more. I just couldn't help myself. That first time when you fell in love with that person, jy kon jouself nie help nie. Niemand het jou gedwong nie. Jy wou hulle bel. Jy wou net haar stem hoor. Jy wil net geskenkies koop. <coughs> Johannes vond nog steeds so. Hy wil net alles gee vir hierdie vrou. Awkward lachies. He still does. All right, there is a difference between losing something and leaving something. Jesus said to them, you have left your first love. In the Greek, it is the same meaning as divorce. It is the same meaning as abandonment. In other words, when I lose something, it can happen by accident. But when I leave something, it's a choice. And I believe also, you know, this is not to condemn any of us. This is just to exhort us to a reminder to be awake that sometimes even in your marriage relationship or your relationship with whoever, it starts slowly. A small decision here, leave a daily habit here, step away from this little thing over here, and eventually, slowly, 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 we start to drift away. And then eventually we find ourselves in a place and we're completely cold. We come to church and there's worship. I feel nothing. I can see hunger. I can't listen to my words. I just, I really like that. 
it didn't start there. It started with one little decision here, one little decision there. And so I believe that's why we also need this. That's why we go also into the fast for ourselves is to align ourselves again and say, Lord, I don't want to leave my first love. I don't want this ministry to overtake me and my love for you. I don't want to be so consumed with what I do for you that I forget who you are to me. If this ministry, if God closes this church tomorrow, I want to be okay with that because he's still God and I still get to be in relationship with him. Amen? And the Lord tasted my heart on this. I can feel he's tasting us on this because we are driven people. We want to please the Lord. We want to do good things, but never at the expense of our relationship with him, the person of Jesus. And I felt like he just wanted to remind us of that this morning. So what can we do, Marissa? That's great, but what can we do? How do we make sure we don't lose our first love? Well, Jesus answers us. He says this, look at verse 5. And you can put up the Amplified for that. I think it's on there. Jesus says, remember the heights from which you have fallen. In other words, remember when you first came to know me. Remember what you felt like. Remember, remember what I came. In other words, it's thinking through my testimony. What did Jesus come and do for me? I was thinking about it this morning. That last song I called and you answered. I remember crying out to the Lord and asking him if he's real. And he came and answered me. And many of you may be in a season where you're calling and you're wondering, is he going to answer me? And I want to say to you this morning, keep on calling. But get to a place where you are calling. Get to a place where his love can actually meet you. As Johannes said last week, let him love you. Let him come and find you. Don't run from him. Because when you find him, you'll find yourself. Amen. Number two, Jesus says, repent. Repent just means change your mind and move into the other direction. That's what it means. It means confess, bring it before the Lord. Lord, I don't know how I got here, but I do feel cold in my heart. Help me to get to that place of fire again. That's all that he wants. He just wants a yes, and then he'll go, I've sent my spirit that will remind you of everything that I've said. I've sent you my spirit, the spirit of grace, to empower you, to help you. Jesus is never calling you to try and do something in your own strength, in your own effort, in your own works. Amen? We know this, but do we know it? Repent, in other words, change your way of thinking and your direction. Make a decision today, if that is speaking to you, I made a decision over these holidays. I said, Lord, I will not. I will not allow my heart to grow cold. And I didn't think I was cold. I'm not saying I was cold. But you hear what I'm saying. I need to be reminded always and check in, Lord, are you really first? I'm going to go into this fast with the seriousness. And, and to be honest, a fast is for my Jesus. Yes, I'm going to But I know it is the Lord speaking to us. And I know that I need to check my own heart. Lord, you have to be first in this. If you are not going to be first, I don't want to go into this year. So repent, turn, turn direction. Number three, repeat the works you did at first. Do I need to do works to get saved? No, I'm already saved. But he says, do what you did. Respond the way you did when you did at first, when you met me the first time. 
for me, it was what? And I'm using me as an example because I don't have time to go through all of your examples. You, you will know what your examples are. Whether you were saved 20 years ago or whether you were saved last week, what did you do at first? For me, I was in my I was there five services a Sunday because I was hungry and I was scared I was going to miss out something more because I had to know more. I had to experience more of his presence. I had to be in that environment. I had to find out more. I read Bible. I went into kum books in Cape Town. I sat there. They had this uh, cute little bench thing. I sat there. I didn't buy, I did buy books, but I read through all the books. I just sat there. I remember a friend of mine calling, where are you? And I said, I'm still in Kumbuk. She said, you left four hours ago. But I was hungry. I needed to know more. I had to find out all of these things that I'm, that I'm yearning for in my heart, that I had a desire for, that only the Lord can, can place there. It wasn't that anyone told me to go and do it. It was a response. And I'm not saying I'm the model, whatever it is for you. I was hungry. I told everyone about what had happened to me. I told everyone, I told all my unbelieving Muslim, yoga, uh, new age believing friends, I told all of them, I didn't care. Can you for Jesus? Can I tell you saw my car to come Sunday When was the last time we invited someone? When was the last time we shared our faith with someone? When was the last time we shared a testimony? And maybe you're already doing it, then this is a great reminder for you to keep going. Jesus is watching, Jesus is empowering you, the Holy Spirit is standing behind you, cheering you on. The cloud of witnesses are up there going, go, Rian, go, go, Ina, go. Verzon. Mok ek sin vir oogend. What is the message for us this morning, church, and I'm almost done? Is that Jesus is just calling us back to a place of simple devotion. Devotion just means everything. That's all. It's really simple. It's a simple devotion. But I want to encourage us. That's why the fast is also very helpful. It just gets me back into a place of back into daily habits, daily decisions that can keep my heart on the right track. That's all. If we steered away last year, if things got in the way, if things got crazy, if things got busy, it happens to all of us. But there's an invitation again this morning. There's an invitation in this time in January, corporately for us as a church, but also for you if you're planted here, where Jesus says, I want you to come deeper. I said to our team, I keep seeing this picture of a swimming pool, and step by step, he's taking us deeper. He's not going to just throw you in the deep end, although sometimes he does. But we're going deeper. And that's where he's taking us a deep state of devotion. I want you to stand up this morning and we're just going to take a moment to pray. I want everyone to just be very still in this moment and just let's give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to just speak to some of us this morning, all of us. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to think back. Think of your relationship with Jesus right now, where you are today. I don't care if you've been a believer for 80 years or five minutes. 
Think of where you are with the Lord right now. And if you're honest, and our eyes are closed because we're not worried about the person next to us, or I don't want you to even think about me. I want you to just think about you and Jesus because at the end of the day, when Jesus is coming back, He's gonna speak to us individually. And if you're honest in this morning, if you feel like, Lord, I can't with all honesty in my heart say that you really are first in everything, that you really are my first love, that you really are my first priority in everything, then I want you to just gently raise your hand. I wanna pray for us this morning. And if you want to say, Lord, I want you to be first place, If that is you, just raise your hand this morning. I want to pray because I believe there's a special grace this morning for the love of the Lord to touch us in a fresh way, to remind us how much He loves us. And I want you to repeat this after me. Why? Because I believe our own words to the Lord are so important. And when you go home, you can continue this prayer and the Lord will speak to you individually. But let's just ask him together. Lord Jesus, we come before you this morning. And we want to be honest. We want to repent and confess that we can't say 100% that you are first in our hearts. But we want to. And we ask you this morning to pour out your love on us. Pour your love for me, Lord, into my heart afresh. Remind me how loved I am, how you feel about me, what you dream about me. Fill me afresh with your spirit your spirit of grace to empower me to respond to your love. I want to know you more, Lord. I want to go deeper. I want you to be my first in everything. And I'm just going to pray. Lord, I just pray right now for your love to pour out on every child in this room. Lord, make us like children again. Pour out your love afresh on us this morning, Jesus. Lord, we know that we can only love you because you loved us first. And this morning, we just wanna bring you glory. We wanna say thank you, Lord, that you love us enough, Lord, to correct us. Like a loving father, you love us enough to bring us closer and to say, hey, you're steering away. You're moving away. Come back to the place of your strength. Come back to the place of your peace. Come back to the place of your joy. Come back to your source. I am your source. Nothing in this world will ever satisfy you more than I can. And Lord, as you draw us in this morning, we really want to humble ourselves in your presence. Remind us of the things we did at first. Show us, Lord, where you want to draw us closer. Lord, give us the strength to pray. 
Give us the strength, Lord, to open up your word and to read until we find you. Lord, your word says that you promised us, Lord, when we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. And so I want to pray, Lord, that we will be known as a church that it will never leave their first love. Lord, that we will be so driven by your love, we will be so driven by your presence that everything else that we do will automatically fall into your pleasure because we're just responding to you. We want to ask you to do that in our lives. We want to ask you to do that in our church. And we bring you all the glory. We want to say thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for your love that was poured out. We have a visual reminder of that. Imprint the cross on our hearts forever, Lord. We love you. I want to pray a blessing over every person in this house, Lord. I pray that you'll go before us and behind us and around us in this week to come. Lord, take us deeper than ever before. We will bring you honor and we bless your name. And everyone said, amen. Awesome family. I want to encourage you. If, you, if this word really spoke to you and you want our team to pray for you, I want you to come to the front. Ministry team can just come to the front as well. If you've never experienced the love of the Lord in a way that you can testify to it, I want you to come. Let us pray for you. Let us lay hands on you. Let us trust the Lord because it's important. Nothing else in this world matters. Okay, now I'm going to go for it. See you tonight, team worship night. Grab a coffee or tea. The team's ready for you. Have a wonderful Sunday. God bless you.